Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. All right, we're on the other end of the 2022 NFL draft in Georgia. Did all right, guys. Uh, 15 overall picks, the best in NFL draft history, obviously the best in Georgia history as well. And I don't really have much more to say other than what a commercial for Kirby Smart, man. This was incredible. Yeah, not really much more he could have asked for, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's it's been a good 2022 if you're Kirby Smart. Um, you know, uh, knock out a championship, guys go look like freaks at the uh, Combine. And then uh, you cap it all off with a record-setting draft, uh, putting this team, I think you have to say, squarely in the mix for one of the greats of all time. I mean, just based on NFL talent alone. Um, you know, obviously, we'll see how these guys develop, and a lot of that will determine, you know, some of that. But I think in terms of collegiate talent, uh, it certainly looks like one of the greatest collections of all time. The draft came to bear that. Yeah, to me, I think it was – there were certainly some surprises of the draft, uh, and, and I think we'll get into those, but – you know, I think what NFL scouts, organizations, teams, coaches saw that we didn't was uh, they, they saw that G on the side of their helmet. And, and that was a huge factor for them uh, in, in deciding between, you know, a, a player, you know, from another school late in the draft and a Georgia player late in the draft. I think that that really, uh, you know, made a significant impact on them, uh, you know, in going back and listening to a bunch of these, you know, draft interviews and draft calls, uh, you know, it's the thing that stood out to them was the talent that they played around 
and the talent that they played against each and every day in practice. So to me, I think, you know, like you said, this is a commercial for Kirby Smart, uh, you know, a huge opportunity to use this momentum and, and carry it into 2022 football season and 2023 recruiting. Uh, let's start with the number one guy, Trayvon Walker. Uh, we watched Aiden Hutchinson go from the projected number one. I'd say even during the Orange Bowl, I think a lot of people might have guessed that he would have been number one on a lot of people's draft boards. And then something started to switch uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And Trayvon is that guy. And I, I can't wait to watch him play in Jacksonville and see how you know his college talent converts to the NFL. Obviously, the knock on him was that he didn't have a ton of sacks, didn't have a ton of stats. Talked about this last week. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but he's a dog, man, like in more ways than one. And he is everything you want in an NFL defensive player. And the Jags felt like, you know, following up Trevor Lawrence last year as the number one pick, uh, he's the defensive equivalent of that. And I, I don't know. I feel like the sky's the limit for him. And I think that uh, his path to Georgia, you know, well-known high school commodity coming out of Ups and Lee to now being the number one overall draft pick, first in Kirby Smart's career. Uh, by the way, Nick Saban doesn't have one of those yet. So uh, Kirby just checking all the boxes this season. I knew you wouldn't miss the uh, chance to take a shot at the Saban's lack of uh, number one overall pick. And I do think that he'll get his next year. I think Bryce will probably be number one overall next year. I know our or, audience. Or I know our Anderson. audience, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got he's got a shot. He's got a shot. So, um, But, no, I, I think that, uh, look, you've you got to feel nothing but good for Trayvon. Uh, uh, class act throughout, um, you know, even going back to his recruitment and covering him in high school. Um, you know, just a stand-up kid, and uh, you know, I tell people all the time. I don't know that people realize his dad. His dad's just as big a boy as Trayvon is, man. I mean, he looks like he could be on a on an NFL roster pretty easily as well. Uh, I don't think that there was much back talk in the Walker household, is what I'm saying. So I think that he <laughs> knows how to how to get in line, how to uh, how to act, and uh, I think he'll be a great representative for Georgia at this next level. Like you said, I mean, the stats, uh, you know, were not overwhelming, but I think that that was the case for a lot of these guys that they weren't. And you go, it goes back to that idea of the selflessness that you have to play with in Georgia's defense. These guys were rotating in and out frequently. They were, um, you know, opening holes for other guys. It was a collective effort, and I think that what you saw, you heard that used a lot and kind of said a lot over the course of the season, but like Palmer said, I think that you found that NFL GMs didn't find that off-putting. Uh, it wasn't an idea of, let's just look at stat metrics. It was an idea of, you know, when these guys had their opportunities, they made the most of them, and uh, Trayvon, I think, certainly a guy who did that over the course of his career, and certainly uh, in the combine, just one of the all-time performances uh, that we've ever seen. Athletic upside, outrageous, um, and uh, I, I like his chances. I do. Will he be better than Hutchinson? Will he be, uh, you know, a, a, a great number one overall pick? And nobody knows that at this point. I have a hard time seeing him as a bust uh, for sure. I think that he will, if at worst, be a, a solid contributor to a defense for several years. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the upside is certainly there and, and uh, rightfully so. Really happy for the kid, man. And uh, as you said, Wes, 
you know, that's uh, part of the commercial for Kirby Smart, if nothing else. I mean, I, George's video production team has to be putting together a draft video that is going to be uh, something special, I think. Yeah, they, they actually put one out uh, on Sunday that was like, who won the draft? Georgia won the draft. And, <laughs> and, and that, that one was pretty good. Uh, my mom sent that over to me and was like, this is, this is pretty damn good. Um, but, and, and, and said, this is a commercial for Kirby smart. Um, but you know, with, with Trayvon and the Jaguars, I think the biggest thing for them is they want to get him settled into one position at Georgia. He played several different spots. He had a lot of different roles. And I think that's kind of what took away from some of his production. Um, and, and that's the, why they see this, you know, potential overproduction, uh, in, in this draft pick. Kirby said it last week in several of his interviews that Trayvon was not asked to. And, and, and he said this in, in the, uh, you know, at pro day too. Trayvon was not asked to be Georgia's pass rusher. Trayvon's not, was not asked to be Georgia's sack leader. Trayvon played on the edge on first and second down when Georgia wanted to stop the run. And, you know, they, they had big interior guys to stop the run. And on the occasion that there was an opportunity to go after the quarterback on first or second down, he was able to do that. But on third down, when there's, a, you know, more sack opportunities, more, you know, especially with how Georgia was stopping the run and forcing teams into passing situations, Trayvon moved inside. They took Jordan Davis off the field. Sometimes they took Devontae Wyatt off the field. And they had Trayvon playing inside. Uh, in the interior of that defensive line where it's a lot harder to get through. There's a lot more guys. There's a lot less space. And so, you know, they and, and, and in that case, they put Nolan Smith on the edge. They put Robert Beal on the edge. They put Adam Anderson on the edge at times, uh, you know, when he was with the team. And and then they would put an extra DB on the field. Uh, it's, it's not the way that the NFL works. The NFL works in a way where they kind of try and keep the same guys on the field as much as possible. They don't do as much rotating. There's just simply not as many guys on an NFL roster, uh, and certainly not as many active, um, you know, on a Sunday. So Trayvon's going to have his opportunities in the NFL. He's going to play on the edge a lot more in the NFL than he did at Georgia. And because of that, I think that that potential for more production is what the Jaguars saw. I felt for him. I was shocked. I really was, man. And, uh, you know, I saw the injury concerns that people started mentioning on um, Twitter and, and, you know, these ideas. I That's not something that we'd heard a lot about, uh, if, if anything. I mean, it was, you know, I, he's been, he's played, he's played a little bit banged up. I mean, I know that. And, and he's one of those guys that, you know, whatever has been wrong with N'Kobe Dean, you'd be hard pressed to find out or know, because it's not like he's a guy who's going to take himself out. Uh, for some injury. And, I mean, uh, he. You know, I, I feel like he literally gave his body for Georgia football. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like Monty Rice. You know, I mean, Monty was playing for a long time with uh, some a lot of injury. I mean, Brock Bowers did it this past year with uh, his shoulder. I mean, you know, you've got guys that give it like that. Nicobe, you're just not I, – I said on Twitter jokingly, I said, you know, the kid could have a cannonball wound through him and he'd still make your organization better. And I believe that. I think that he's the kind of stand-up kid who, you know, is going to represent you in the right way. But also, too, look, turn on the tape. The, the, the numbers might not overwhelm you. He didn't run, and that's probably for good reason. I mean, he's not probably going to blow you away with his 40 time. 
But when you're talking about speed on the field, I think that he does an exceptional job. I think that he's uh, part of this new breed of linebacker that the NFL is looking for. Uh, guys that have to cover these back, these guys coming out of the backfield, receiving the ball. Uh, he's got to make tackles in space. I think he proved he could do all of that. And um, you know, while the testing numbers may not be overwhelming, the, the film speaks for itself, I think, when you talk about N'Kobe Dean. And if you're looking at numbers, he put up some killer ones over the course of his Georgia career as well. So uh, a kid that I think the Eagles got to steal on at that position, even if he's got to take a year and get his body right, um, I, I still think that in the long run, he'll be vindicated. I think that he's a guy who's going to, uh, to turn some heads and prove some people wrong. Yeah, he said he'll uh, make it to Eagles rookie camp. And Kirby told us at Pro Day, you know, part of why he wasn't working out was because he had a pec injury. We didn't know how serious it was, right. you know, but then we continue to see more and more and more things come up about just how injured he was. And I mean, he played 15 games, you know, including national championship, SEC championship against Alabama, uh, a full SEC schedule. I mean, of course, he's going to be banged up leading that defense. Um, but all the stuff that's coming out now that, you know, it was held against him that he didn't get surgery on those injuries when he didn't necessarily know, according to him, that he didn't need surgery on those injuries. So it's just, uh, to me, an insight into how fickle the scouting process can be. Um, you know, I know we're going to get to other guys that fell, including Jamari Sawyer. Someone was tweeting at me. I wrote about, you know, how I didn't see how that possibly could have happened. Someone tweeted at me, you know, uh, Jamari's weaknesses, according to NFL scouts. Well, you know, I showed him Trayvon Walker's weaknesses. Every, every single one of these guys, the scouts' job is to find their weaknesses. That's what they're looking for. So if Nicobe's is his size, uh, his lack of testing, he was already behind the eight ball a little bit, and now all these injuries, it's almost like they were looking for reasons not to draft him, and it really bit Nicobe. Uh, but I am happy to see him land where he did with Jordan Davis. Well, and and you talk about the, you know, Jake, you make the point that Georgia played 15 games and, and Wes, you know, the lack of surgeries. I don't know that he would have had a ton of time to get those surgeries and recover and prepare for the NFL draft. Yeah. If he had gotten those surgeries, I think they would have been held against him just as much as not getting the surgery was. Um you know, the, the Eagles have said that they feel comfortable with where he's at, that he's going to come into minicamp and be a full participant as far as they know. And so, you know, I, to me, I think that, you know, it, it's a situation where you turn on the tape. Kobe, you know, played through injury in, in 2020, uh, you know, because he missed he had a torn labrum that he had to have surgery on. Uh, you know, prior to spring 2021 and missed that spring. So he played through injury then. Uh, if, he, if he had to have surgery this year, well, it sounds like he played through injury this past season, and he did a pretty dang good job at it. I mean, won the linebacker award, uh, the Buckus Award for the best linebacker in the country. So, you know, I mean, um, I, I you know, it, it, it certainly surprised me. I felt for him. Uh, you know, I went and listened to his draft call and, and you could tell the emotions that he was feeling uh, when the Eagles called him. I think that he probably would have felt some of those emotions had he been drafted in the first round. But, you know, they were certainly heightened having to wait as long as he did. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I think, like you said, Roos, I think that there is a chance that even if he has to play, even if he has to sit out a year, take a red shirt year, the Eagles got a huge steal into Kobe Dean in the third round. And I think, too, that this is only – listen, I, 
you can only take this stuff so personally. But I think Nakobe is going to take it deeply personally, and I think it's going to be added motivation for him. And frankly, he's not a kid who needs added motivation. He seems to be pretty self-motivated and be able to handle his business. I think that this is only going to fuel the fire in Nakobe Dean. I, again, another guy I just will be shocked if he's not a, a very solid contributor over the course of his NFL career. He's a couple credits shy, I think, of finishing his mechanical engineering major. But once he does that, I feel like he could be the real life version of Tony Stark. Like I feel like if anyone can invent something to help him regenerate and heal totally, it'll be Nicobe Dean. Uh, Quay Walker going in the first round was a little bit of a surprise. We heard some chatter about that going in, but he's a guy that I felt you know maybe went a little bit higher than I would have expected him to go. Certainly, in my opinion, yeah, I, I thought that. Uh... You know, for me, of the three, I, I felt like Quay was maybe the third linebacker for Georgia in terms of uh, what I would have projected. I, I think Nakobe was my clear leader. And then I think Channing, uh, we mentioned on that last show, is a guy that I really believe in and I think has all the athletic tools. I'm not saying Quay doesn't. I think from a pure physical standpoint, Quay is probably the most NFL-ready of all of them. Uh, his body's right. He's got the right size. He's a guy who's going to be able to get out there and, and bang, quite frankly. So I think that he's a guy who makes a lot of sense, and I understand the upside there. I just found it a little bit surprising. It would it was not what I would have expected. I thought if somebody was going to sneak into the end of that first, uh, you know, it, it might be a guy like Channing or even, I mean, I, I text Palmer and said maybe Sawyer will sneak into the, the end of the first. I was, how wrong I was there, but – uh, I, I think that it was, um, you know, uh, George Pickens, I think, is a guy that people thought could uh, do that as well. Um, Quay Walker, I think at least within Georgia circles and the people that I was talking to were not projecting that necessarily. Um, I, I think that we were all a little bit surprised by that. But I get it. I think that he, again, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's the most ready. And I think that he's a guy who uh, will be a great player. I think that, uh, you know, I think that he's certainly got that upside and, and is one of those guys that, you know, um, the lack of production or the, the whatever you want to call his production, I, I think compared to Nicobe's, it might seem lacking. Uh, you know, but I think that that goes back into that selflessness and the rotation that Georgia kind of kept kept in place at that linebacker spot. So huge for Quay and huge for Georgia, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, you get five in the first round, uh, a, a record uh, for defensive players from one school in a single round um, and they're in the first round. Um, just uh, massive for him. And, and uh, man, Glenn Schumann got to be smiling ear to ear, man. I mean, the, the it, things you, you want to talk about a commercial for Kirby Smart. Uh, the last couple of years have been a commercial for, for Glenn Schumann, and I think that uh, big, big things ahead for that guy uh, in the very near future. Yeah, Schumann put out a photo on Twitter. I think it was from the Tennessee locker room back in 2019 uh, with Tay Crowder, Monty Rice, uh, Quay Walker, and N'Kobe Dean. Their their shoulder pads all lined up and uh, hashtagged all the teams that, uh, that, that they ended up with. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I think one of the biggest reasons, uh, for the same reasons that N'Kobe Dean fell in the draft, Quay Walker rose in the draft. And, you know, it, it's NFL scouts aren't necessarily looking at the same thing that, you know, us people that covered them in college are. Uh, you know, the, 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 the casual Georgia fan is looking at. Uh, Quay, didn't, Quay didn't have the, you know, flashy highlight plays. Uh, and, and, you know, that was very apparent to me in, in going through and doing that top three plays series, 
uh, ahead of the draft, it was a lot harder to find flashy highlight plays for Quay Walker than it was for Nicobe Dean and Channing Tindall. Uh, but he certainly, like you said, Jake, has the traits of an NFL linebacker, has the size, has the, you know, the, the physicality, um, you know, teams see that and they, it again, it's kind of a same situation that Trayvon was in a potential overproduction thing. And, and they see the rotation. They see the roles that these guys played at Georgia. They, they, you know, they, they credit Georgia for, you know, building them into the players that they are. But they also see the potential to take them and mold them into their own team's identity. And, and so, you know, I think that's where Quay certainly falls into. Um, Going to be interesting to see him playing behind one of his Georgia defensive linemen uh, in Devontae Wyatt, just like it's going to be interesting to see uh, Nicobe playing behind Jordan Davis up in Philly. Well, and uh, I got to tell you, I hope he gets a good jacket because uh, uh, Green Bay is a little bit colder than Cordell, my friends. It is chilly, chilly. Uh, so Georgia started the 2021 season with a pick six on the scoreboard, ended it with a pick six, and then started and ended the first round of the NFL draft with picks as well. Pretty neat uh, for Kirby Smart as the accolades continue Let's take a quick break, um, talk about where George is headed, and try to figure out what went wrong with Jamari Sawyer as well after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, guys, uh, I'm still just racking my brain to figure out why Jamari Sawyer fell so far in the draft. And, Palmer, you referenced earlier, like, we're not scouts. We watch this team differently. We're invested in these guys differently. We've seen Sawyer as a recruit. So to us, it seems a little bit more surprising to see a guy go to the sixth round than maybe the guys who evaluated him. But when I look back on his career, I look back on this season in particular, you know, he gave up two sacks, both of them to Alabama in championship games. One Will Anderson, the 2021 sacks leader for all of college football, and one Christian Harris. He also played against Aiden Hutchinson. You know, that video clip is making the rounds of what he did to him in the Orange Bowl again. I mean, it was making the rounds after the Orange Bowl, too. Uh, He faced Ojabo. He faced uh, South Carolina's Inigbari. He faced Miles Murphy. You know, no sacks against those guys. Murphy's going to be a first-round draft pick, too. Um, Is it the measurements? Is it... Uh, the pro day, you know, who ca- to me, it's like, who cares? He had 31 bench press reps at the combine. More of the examples of just looking for reasons to not draft guys. I'm just trying to figure out where it could have gone wrong. And I'm wondering if you guys can play devil's advocate or are you like me? I mean, are, are you guys puzzled on it too? No, I was stunned. I mean, I told you earlier in the show, I, I mentioned to Palmer that I thought he could sneak into the first. To me, he seemed like a guy that the the Patriots would fall in love with, you know? I mean, uh, to me, what was so shocking about it and what I feel like I I can't believe I've had to fight people on Twitter about over this is this is a guy who ultimately was playing out of position. 
but it didn't matter. He, I mean, he was not—he was called in to tackle because he was the best lineman on the national championship team, regardless of position. Uh, and so he got to play the most important position, not the position he's going to play in the league, mind you, but a premium premier position in the SEC against a slate of pass rushers that you just mentioned that are going to be super impactful down the road. And he kept the sheet about as clean as you could. And I know it's not all about sacks. I understand that. You know, I had some people that said, oh, Aiden Hutchinson said he held all game. I'd probably say that too if I were Aiden Hutchinson and I were yeah. down by a six-round pick. So, I, I mean, I, I get I get it. I think that, you know, there's there are detractors out there, but – you're talking about a guy, a permanent team captain for this team. So he's won the respect of the locker room, a, a group with 15 draftees in it. Okay. Uh, some super talented guys, some super motivated guys, great players. Clearly he's one of the four guys that got that nod from his teammates, uh, won the respect of all those guys. Seamless transition. It seemed from Sam Pittman to Matt Luke didn't seem to affect Jamari at all. Uh, he's rolled with the punches there. Uh, it changes in positional coaches getting called to play uh, tackle. Like I said, taking over for Andrew Thomas, his former Pace Academy uh, teammate and a first round pick in his own right. A uh, guy who's uh, looked outstanding in his in the early goings of his NFL career. I, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't understand it. Uh, you know, Jamari, look, if Jamari, <laughs> you know, we have to, I've said this before in the past. If Jamari had a neck, He'd be probably he'd probably be six he'd probably be six six I mean he but he doesn't he's he's a little shaved off at the top but that's no I mean that's no what do you what do you want that's not a, a neck is not what you need necessarily to play offensive line you know does he have the longest arms on earth no not really but it didn't seem to matter in all the instances it's very Nicobe esque to me uh, in all the instances where he was called upon to deliver he did that and. I don't know what more you could ask out of the guy. I feel like offensive line, like you said, you know, combine sort of be damned, the pro day sort of be damned. I think there's no more important position when it comes to tape than offensive line. I think that the tape on Jamari Sawyer uh, speaks for itself. I, I've had a chance to watch him his whole career and into high school, and he is one of the finest offensive linemen I've ever watched. I think he's – I said in high school I think he was the best guard I've ever personally seen. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, you know, I think the Chargers got a, a got a great pick in, in the sixth round. And I think a lot of teams will regret that pick. I think the Falcons could be among them. I wish that they had made that pick earlier and, and, and picked him up. I mean, they got a, they got a, a Georgia bulldog. Uh, but I think that, uh, Jamari is another guy that could have benefited him for sure. Yeah. Knock him for whatever you want to knock him for. I think my point is I just didn't see him going in the sixth round. I, I mean, whatever, find the list that you don't like the traits, the attributes you don't like about him, fine. I mean, that, that is what it is. But sixth round really shocked me. Um, yeah. Palmer, I mean, if, take if, us. If, if you're looking through it for an explanation over here, I, I don't have it. I mean, it's it's a situation. It was absolutely more about Erickson because Georgia was going to they again like Roos said, Georgia was moving Jamari around as the focal point of that offensive line. 
They knew that he was the best offensive lineman that they had to offer, and they were going to put him in the position where they needed him most. He could have played center if they needed him to do That's that. What I was and, say. He was and, and he did that in one point. He, yeah, he did that. He played all five positions over the course of his career, um, you know, all the way across the offensive line. And to me, that would have been a huge, uh, you know, added benefit that you're getting in a guy that you're, you know, drafting a guy that, you know, hey, he may not be a tackle, you know, by trait, but he was playing there. And you know that, you know, let's say somebody, again, I mentioned it earlier with how limited these NFL rosters are. Let's say a guy gets hurt on a Sunday and you need a, you know, or two guys get hurt on a Sunday and you need a tackle. You've got a guard that can bump out and play tackle and has done it at the highest level. Oh, your center gets hurt. You've got a guard that can bump down inside and snap and, you know, is comfortable doing that. So to me, that would have been a huge uh, bonus that you were getting in him. You're, you're not only getting a very good talented guard, but a capable center and a capable tackle, um, you know, I, like you said, I think, I don't really have an explanation for why he fell. Um, you know, Bruce, you pointed out the Falcons as a team that, that you would have loved to see him go to, not only as a fan, but, you know, in terms of a fit based on what they did in the draft. And this is not a knock against Justin Schaefer. I, I love that pick for the Falcons. I love the fact that they are getting, you know, an, an Atlanta native, a Cedar Grove kid. Shout out Cedar Grove, getting three uh, three players yeah. picked most among any high school in the country. Uh, you know, that they, they end the streak without Georgia players 11 years uh, going to that point, um, you know, love that pick for the Falcons, but I think that Jamari Salyer would have done just as good of a job uh, with that organization and would have knocked off, checked all those same boxes, an Atlanta native, a Georgia boy, uh, you know, somebody to, to, you know, end that drought and somebody capable of playing guard. So, yeah, you know, to I, me, I'm, again, this is not a knock on Justin Schaefer, but I think that Jamari Salyer would have been just as good, if not a better pick for the Falcons where they got him. Yeah, you, I, I, I said on Twitter I would have lost money if you would have told me that Jamari would not have been the, the first Georgia offensive lineman off the board. I, that was shocking to me. I mean, look, let's, let's call it what it was. We were going into this. You, the, the three of us were texting prior to that draft and saying, you know, perhaps Schaefer ends up as an undrafted free agent. The fact that he went before Jamari, stunning to me. Uh, and, and I don't say that because I think Justin Schaefer is a, a, some kind of terrible player. I just would have never projected that in a million years because of that utility uh, of Jamari Sellier. Because I mean, of that, Jake Camarda got drafted before him. And that, not a knock against Jake Camarda. But who would have projected a punter going in front of Jamari Sellier? Like if that was a, a bet in a sports book. Not just one punter. Several punters. <laughs> yeah. If that was a bet in a sports book, who would have taken it? Yeah. Maybe Jake Kamara's mom. If she's a, if she's a gambler. Uh, Palmer, you have a pretty interesting piece on the next group of dogs, 2023's class. And it's never too early to be too early, as I like to say, when it comes to prognostication on the internet, because it gets us clicks for better or for worse. So, uh, <laughs> What, what's your thought process and some of the guys that are leading the way for you? Obviously, it's not going to be 15 uh, dogs next year, but what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just looking at the early indications with this mock draft, uh, with the 2023 draft, 
Georgia's going to be pretty talented on that defensive side of the football once again and well represented in that first round. Um, you know, the, the early indications are, you know, we've all kind of expected that Jalen Carter has the potential to be, you know, a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, most mock drafts have him going in that range. Uh, Keely Ringo, an, another guy, you know, pretty much set on all these mock drafts as a top 10, you know, just after fringe top 10 pick. Uh, and Nolan Smith, a, a guy that we all saw is capable of being a first round pick coming out of high school. He probably would have been picked this year and, and, and would have, you know, added to Georgia's uh, 15. Um, so, you know, you know, but he's decided to come back to college to, you know, try and increase his draft stock. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge benefit for Georgia and it can be a huge benefit for him. You know, as we saw with, with some of these guys last year, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, I'm not sure that either one of them would have been, you know, a first round pick. Uh, you know, and even if they were, they certainly rose up. They, in, they increased their value, uh, in coming back. Uh, you know, Nolan Smith has an opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and, and so to me, um, you know, Quay Walker is another example. He, he would not have been a first round pick coming out after his junior year. Uh, but you know, sure enough, after his senior year, he's the first linebacker off the board. So I think that those three uh, that, that that's kind of your trio of Georgia defenders that, that are getting mocked in all these first round, uh, you know, are way too early uh, mock drafts. Uh, but there's other guys that could be picked as well. Um, maybe first round, maybe a little bit later. Uh, kind of depends on how the needs of these teams shake out, uh, you know, and how this, this 2022 season shakes out for them. Um, but, you know, Yahoo has, has an interesting mock, uh, you know, not necessarily a mock draft, uh, but a big board of sorts, position rankings. Uh, Eric Gilbert is included in that. Darnell Washington is included in that. That's two talented tight ends that, that could, you know, increase Georgia's number from four straight years to five straight years. Uh, that's something that we should mention, that, that the dogs have had four straight years with a t tight end picked. Um, shout out John Fitzpatrick this year. Um you know, that that's another aspect of the commercial for uh, Kirby Smart and for Todd Hartley specifically. Um, you know, I, I think that Kenny McIntosh has a chance to be picked, uh, you know, continuing the RBU tradition. Um, you know, uh, you go down the offensive line again, uh, you know, as we were just talking about Jamari, uh, Broderick Jones has a chance to be picked. Warren yeah, McClendon has a chance to be picked. Uh, you know, certainly a lot of talented players here uh, on that offense, offensive side of the ball. But the defensive side of the football is, is where you're seeing that top tier talent. The Jalen Carters, the Keely Ringos, the Nolan Smiths of the world. Yeah. Um, tight end you is a real thing. And, you know, Kenny McIntosh got a chance. RBU. I mean, how many how many U's do they have? This year's NFL draft U. It's just I'm losing count of all the U's. Um, Jake, uh, any any thoughts looking ahead to May? We're kind of texting this weekend about what to expect, regrouping, you know, coming back down to earth after the NFL draft. Uh, what are we looking at on the recruiting trail visit-wise for Georgia? Um, what do you anticipate for this month of May as things kind of slow down a little bit before we get back in August? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be quiet, um, you know, during uh, the month of May. I, I'm not saying that there's not possibilities out there, but I think that you're looking at June really as, as when you're circling kind of the next big recruiting um, events for Georgia. You know, official visits will resume in June. And so uh, that's what you're going to see, I think, over the course of this next month is guys coming out with those top school lists. Um, you know, there's guys who are going to want to get commitments knocked out of the way before their senior seasons. And so these summer OVs will be key. Uh, you've seen several guys do it. we got a couple stories over at Dogs HQ right now of guys who've locked in visits and confirmed that they're coming for OVs. Uh, and, you know, quite frankly for Georgia, uh, it's, again, it's a good time to be a Bulldog because, uh, you know, this is some top-tier talent. I mean, these are not bums that are that are coming by to see them. Um, you know, they're they're real deal players in a lot of cases and guys from kind of all over the place. Um, you know, you're seeing guys from Texas set up OVs. You're seeing, uh, you know, in-state guys, Justice Haynes confirmed to Chad Simmons, uh, his OV today. Um, you know, I think that uh, what's going to be important in kind of this coming month Coaches get a chance to catch their breath after uh, spring practice, after the draft, and um, you know they'll get you know a little bit of time with the family, uh, but they'll also get a time a lot of time to dive in on um, film. And, and I think that for Georgia, that's going to be really key. Uh, these guys trust their evaluations in a big way. I, I say that a lot, but I think Georgia really values that. I think that when we're talking about moving into uh, these next coming months, that's when you'll start to see a flurry of activity, probably on the commitment trail, because I think, frankly, Georgia wants to get these guys in. They feel like they may have their pick of the litter at some of these positions, and I think they want to get these guys in, in person, and see what they can do uh, in live action in front of them and how they test and how they participate. What kind of guy are they? What kind of character are they? Uh, you know, I think that only so much can be garnered from film. And so uh, in this instance, I think Georgia really uh, taking it slow and uh, will move into the summer months uh, with a, a pretty deep and thorough game plan when it comes to uh, how they want to proceed in 2023. Jake, correct yeah, yeah. me if I'm wrong here. The coaches can go out on the road this month and still watch these kids as they go through their high school spring practices, correct? Yeah, I believe that is the case. I, I think that we are uh, in, in a period where they can swing by and still see some stuff, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That, that calendar changes every year, and it's, it's different with all this, uh, you know, all the uh, early OVs and stuff like that now. So I think that that is the case, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, I don't think you can host recruits on campus currently, uh, or at least uh, that's it's it's the slower time for that. Um, I, I think the window is kind of closed until June, though, if I'm not mistaken. I, like I said, I, I just there's a lot to keep up with so in terms of the dates <laughs> and then these recruiting calendars. But, uh, you know, I think that they will have a chance to, to get in touch with some of these people. Like I said, watch some film, get in touch with coaches. And, um, you know, I think too, this is where you start to see them kind of not shift because there's still so much work to be done in 2023, but you start to see them identify some of those 24 and 25 guys that they really want to get to camp this summer and say, all right, let's put these guys through their paces. And that determines how hard we're going to go after them in the coming months, uh, you know, moving into uh, September or uh, moving into August and September when that contact period opens for 2024s. Um, you know, I think that uh, all of that, is what's kind of coming together right now. And so uh, a, a crucial time, uh, maybe a bit quieter time than people uh, would prefer uh, in terms of recruiting, but uh, still at a very important time for Georgia and the evals. 
Palmer, uh, what do we know about the transfer portal right now for the dogs? It's that time to start looking at that uh, for Georgia fans anyway. If, if anything's going to pop off, seems like it's pretty quiet right now on that front, though. Yeah, um, just looking, taking a look at the scholarship counter um, on our end of things. Um, I've got Georgia at 88. Uh, you, you technically only have 85, but there's some ways around that. Um, just ask Alabama and, and Nick Saban. Uh, it feels like they've gotten around it for quite some time uh, and, and feels like Georgia's kind of trying to do the same thing. I would have expected a couple more guys to hit the portal uh, you know, before that May 1st deadline that has come and gone. Um, <clears throat> I guess te- technically I believe if my understanding of things is correct and, and just like Jake has a lot to handle there with the, uh, recruiting calendars, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, nuances to the transfer portal and, and these, you know, deadlines of sorts. My understanding was that a player had to be in the portal by midnight last night, May 1st, we're recording this on May 2nd here. Um, but I've also heard that a coach has 48 hours to put a player in. So that's certainly something that we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, that, that is for the one-time transfer policy to be immediately eligible next year. Uh, you know, if a player decides, you know, to grad transfer after, you know, upcoming graduation here uh, in Athens, they can do that. Uh, and, and they would, you know, wouldn't have to use that one-time transfer immediate eligibility. So Georgia could still see a couple more transfers. Um, I, I kind of expected them to see more than they did. Uh, but as it stands, looks like Georgia's at 88. Um, probably a couple guys that, that are, you know, being counted towards next year's signing class in terms of numbers, uh, and, and, and scholarships there. Um, you know, the biggest thing, and, and this is a, you know, cause of the COVID year, uh, is, is that you've got these super seniors around still, but now they are counting against the scholarship. In the you know, last year, they weren't counting against scholarship numbers. Uh, you could have those guys with you know, no, no harm done. Well, now those guys are back and, and you know, counting towards your 85. And so you know, I'm not entirely sure how much room Georgia has uh, to go after a transfer portal player. Um, you know, I, I, but like I said, I think there are some workarounds that if Georgia has a guy that they, you know, have their eyes set on, uh, that they can work around some things and, and get, you know, get their, use their ways, work that magic to, to find a way to get a guy in. Um, you know, so certainly keeping an eye on the transfer portal, uh, you know, both in and out of Athens. Uh, but you know, I, I would have expected a little bit more action. And, and another thing that you've got to remember with the transfer portal and somebody reminded me of this recently and, and put it you know very well, Georgia essentially has two new transfers coming in this next year in Eric Gilbert and Tyke Smith. Neither one of them was able to make an impact last season. You know, Smith played in one game uh, before tearing his ACL, you know, battled injuries coming into the season, tore his AC, and then tore his ACL uh, after playing briefly against Auburn. Eric Gilbert didn't play at all. So you've essentially gotten two new faces, uh, you know, to the, to the team, uh, you know, from the transfer portal previously obviously you're not pulling them this year and there's a little bit less excitement when you're, you know, looking back at a transfer, uh, as, as far as, as opposed to looking forward to a transfer. Uh, but you know, I, I do think that Georgia, uh, could still go after guys in the transfer portal, but is certainly looking at two impact players there. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not that there aren't positions where Georgia could be better 
with a transfer portal addition, certainly, you know, with a standout wide receiver, uh, someone on the D line, maybe, um, just for some depth, but yeah, do not for safety. Do not, do not forget about, uh, Ty key and Gilbert as it relates to the transfer portal, though, you talk about the magic of Georgia working its ways and potentially NIL has something to do with that. Look no further than the money earned by the players in the first round of the NFL draft to really look at some generational life-changing wealth. You know, it's potentially $41.5 million for Trayvon Walker as a number one overall draft pick. Uh, projected 193 for Jordan Davis, 15.6 for Quay Walker. These, uh, this is according to Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Talk, ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, 14.5, signing bonus of 7.7 million. Lewis Seen, 12.8 million. I mean, say what you will about the transfer portal, some of the perks being floated around there to come to a school. But if you can stick around, Prove that you're the best of the best at Georgia. You got a chance to make a whole lot more in the NFL. And if you're Kirby Smart, obviously NIL is a part of what you have to talk about and address and uh, recruit with. But I still think the NFL is a much better indicator, a much better carrot at the end of the string uh, for guys who have a chance to go do it. I'm going to leave our listeners with one special story. One of my friends told me over the weekend that Kirby Smart spoke at a Terry Business uh, event in Atlanta. And apparently, I don't know if you guys had heard this story, but Kirby shared it with a room full of people. So I don't think it's necessarily something I can't talk about. Apparently last August, they found a broken uh, golf cart. It's like the facility golf cart. Have you heard the story, Palmer? Yeah, he. Sh- I, I I saw this on a message board somewhere. He shared it down in Macon, I believe. Okay, so so this is getting around. But if you haven't heard it, uh, I'll just share it with y'all as a, as a treat for those of you that listen to the show. Um, apparently, their facilities golf cart was broken last August, and they couldn't figure out why. Like the axle was broken, something was broken on the cart. They went back and looked at the security tape and saw two football players driving it around after, mind you, doing some late night sprints. So they were in the facilities getting some work done. But after they got their work done, as the story goes, it was Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. They decided to take the golf cart for a little spin. I'm, I'm envisioning uh, Marshawn Lynch at Cal <laughs> taking that uh, trainer's cart around. But I think they did some donuts with it apparently in the facility and broke it. They couldn't drive it anymore, and they lifted it themselves and carried it back to where it was supposed to go. And uh, as the story goes, their discipline was handled internally. But uh, I thought our our listeners might enjoy that. And uh, maybe with all that rookie signing bonus money and contract salary, uh, they might be able to afford another golf cart for their alma mater. So enjoy that and uh, successful, to say the least, draft. For Kirby Smart and the Dogs, read all about it over at dogshq.com and go ahead and give us a try. If you're not already signed up for the premium stuff, for the good stuff, uh, free seven-day trial right now 
uh, go check out our message boards, participate in that, and have fun with it. Um, for Palmer Toms and Jake Roos, I'm Wes Blankenship. This is another episode of Dog Walk Talk. Hope you all have a great week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.